Here at the Adirondack Experience, we have a lot of artifacts and a lot of exhibits. Each artifact holds a unique story of its own. Join us on today's podcast episode as we take you inside the museum. Today's artifact isn't actually owned by the ADKX. It's on long-term loan from the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. It's nine feet long, but only weighs ten and a half pounds. The man who had it built used the name Nesmuk, and he named the artifact Sari Gamp. I'm talking about George Washington Sears and the tiny canoe he used to explore the Adirondack lakes and rivers. Ready to earn some extra credit? You're listening to ADK Extra Credit, a podcast for students about the history of the Adirondack Mountains and the people who have lived, worked, and played here. The Adirondack Experience, the museum on Blue Mountain Lake, is located in the heart of the Adirondack Park of New York State. George Washington Sears lived between 1821 and 1890. He was a writer and poet that loved to travel and enjoy the wild regions of the world. The Adirondacks was one of his favorite places. The writing that he is most famous for are the letters that he wrote for the magazine Forest and Stream. He signed the letters with the name Nesmuk. That was his pen name, which means he used that name as the author of those letters instead of his real name. It was intended as a tribute to the Native American person that taught him about woods and camping as a boy. Forest and Stream is a magazine about hunting, fishing, and other outdoor activities. It's been published since 1873 and is still in print today. Nesmick shared his experiences canoeing the Adirondack waterways in his Field and Stream letters. You can imagine his letters as being a bit like a YouTube travel channel of the 1880s. Obviously, way back then they didn't have YouTube, so he wrote letters instead. He wrote all about his travel adventures. He gives advice, describes difficulties, and tells funny stories. They were very popular and made the magazine, Forest and Stream, even more popular. People enjoyed reading his stories and they took his advice. You'll see how that made an impact on how the Adirondacks are enjoyed by visitors today. The main piece of advice that Nesmith gave was, travel light and go it alone. Today, we would think, that's not safe. But I think as you listen, you'll understand that he was encouraging people to enjoy the wilderness and don't let lack of money or other obstacles get in the way. Kind of a just do it slogan for long ago. If you've listened to some of the 80K Extra Credit episodes, you may have heard me talk about Adirondack Murray and his book, Adventures in the Wilderness. That book was written about 11 years before Nesmick began writing in Forest and Stream. Adventures in the Wilderness also described vacationing in the Adirondacks and encouraging people to go there for outdoor fun. But Adventures in the Wilderness said you should definitely hire a guide. A guide is a person that organizes your wilderness excursion, 
They take you hunting and fishing. They set up camp. They row the boat. They pretty much do all of the hard work and you just enjoy yourself. So that's good advice if you can take it. Guides knew their way around the Adirondack region in a time before the maps of the area were really accurate. They had expert knowledge of the woods and outdoor activities. But you had to pay for all of that. Guides were paid about $2.50 a day for their services. That didn't include the hire of a boat and supplies and travel expenses. All that added up to an expensive vacation. George Washington Sears was not a wealthy man. I know I said he was a writer, but that was really a side gig that he started later in life. To earn a living for himself and his wife and three children, he was a shoemaker. He understood that most people would not be able to afford a guide and all of those other things. In fact, they would be really lucky to have time off from work to take a vacation. Sears was determined not to let anything stand between him and exploration of the Adirondack region. By the 1870s, when Sears was starting to plan a trip to the Adirondack region, he was in his 50s. He was not in good health. He likely had tuberculosis, which was incurable at the time. He loved adventure travel. He'd been a sailor, a fisherman, and also a soldier in the Civil War. He had gone on hunting and fishing trips to Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and even Brazil. The time period in which Sears lived was when the United States was becoming industrialized. We were changing from a society where most people lived and worked on farms to a society that relied on big businesses and people who worked in factories. The cities were becoming very crowded and polluted. Like many others, Sears wanted to get away from all that and into the clean, quiet wilderness. He realized that if he traveled with just what he could carry by himself, he could afford it. He could go it alone. In this time period, roads into the Adirondacks were scarce. Listen to the episode titled, Are We There Yet? to find out more about that. The best way to get around the area, especially for recreation, was to use the waterways. Take a look at a map of the Adirondacks to see what I mean. There are lots of lakes, rivers, and streams, but they aren't all connected. To get from one to the other, you have to take your boat out of one body of water and carry it and all of your stuff to another body of water. That was one of the things that a guide would do for a traveler, but Sears wanted to go it alone. There's one more thing about George Washington Sears that I haven't mentioned yet. He was not a big man. He was five foot three inches tall and weighed 105 pounds. Add his small stature to the fact that he was sickly and you begin to realize that he couldn't carry a lot of gear and a heavy boat. All the popular canoes and guide boats of the time were really quite heavy. This is where a boat builder named John Henry Rushton 
and a boat that Sears would name Sari Gamp come in. From the office of J.H. Rushton, manufacturer of canoes, pleasure, and hunting boats, Canton, New York, November 1st, 1882. To Mr. George Sears, Dear Sir, After reading Forest and Stream, I thought I had best build that canoe as someone might inquire after it. Well, it is in the paint shop. Nine feet long, 24 inches wide, 8 inches deep, 12 deep at the outside. Weight under 11 pounds. It looks as if it might float 100 pounds at least. I might try it with my 108 in it when it is done. If it goes busted, I will build another one. Now you must stop with this one. Don't try another smaller one. If you get sick of this one as a canoe, use it for a soup dish. Let me hear from you. Yours truly, J.H. Rushton. The Sari Gamp was actually the third boat that Sears bought from Rushton. Sears researched a variety of boats and boat builders to find the type of boat that would suit his needs. That's how he found J.H. Rushton. He was a boat builder that was gaining popularity because of his well-crafted and reasonably priced boats. In the late 1870s, Sears asked him to build a canoe that weighed less than 20 pounds. That began a relationship that would benefit both men. The first canoe Rushton made for Sears weighed 17 and a half pounds. Sears named it Woodrake. He used it on his first trip into the Adirondacks and he wrote about it for Forest and Stream. The idea of using a light canoe and handling all of your camping gear, or duffel as Nesmick calls it, was catching on thanks to Nesmick's letters. In those letters, Sears praised Rushton's well-crafted boat. That drove up sales of Rushton's boats. In his catalog, Rushton began selling boats just like the one he sold Sears, and he named them the Nesmick. The next boat Sears ordered was just a little bit smaller, 16 pounds. Sears named this one Suzanne Nipper. He used her on another trip into the Adirondacks. Then, in 1882, he requested an even smaller boat from Rushton. That was the boat that would be named Sari Gamp. The peak of Nesmick's popularity came with his 1883 trip when he used the tiny Sari Gamp. He wrote eight letters for Forest and Stream describing the trip. He traveled quite a long way. He started in Old Forge, then headed up the Fulton Chain to Racket Lake and Forked Lake, and then down the Racket River to the Stony Creek Ponds, next to Upper Saranac Lake, then to Lake Clear, and then headed through the Seven Carries to the St. Regis Lakes. He turned around and returned to Old Forge by a slightly different route. During this trek, he was treated as a kind of celebrity. He was interviewed by reporters and invited to stay at private camps. The Nesmick letters also made Rushton boats very popular and sought after as well. They're still highly valued by collectors. Though Sears ordered two more canoes from Rushton, 
He never toured the Adirondacks again. It was no matter. The Sari Gamp and the Nesmic letters in Forest and Stream had empowered other travelers to go it alone. We, the outers who go to the blessed woods for rest and recreation, are prone to handicap our pleasures in the matter of overweight, guns, rods, duffel, boats, and so on. We take a deal of stuff to the woods only to wish we had left it at home and end our trips by leaving dead loads of impedimenta in deserted camps. I should be glad to see this amended. I hope at no distant day to meet independent canoeists with canoes weighing 20 pounds or less at every turn in the wilderness and with no more duffel than is absolutely necessary. George Washington Sears, Nesma, Racket Lake, July 27, 1883. What did Nesmick mean by all of that? First of all, outers is his term for people that like to spend their vacation or leisure time outdoors enjoying nature. He's saying that all those people will have a lot more fun if they pack lightly. Stop worrying about having stuff and get out there onto the lakes and rivers. I can see his point there. Once, I packed a huge bag for a trip to California. It was so heavy, I couldn't get it off the luggage carousel at the airport. It just kept going around and around until I hired someone to help me get it out to my car. Having all of that stuff didn't make my vacation any better. Nesmick is remembered today as the first person to tell people that enjoying the Adirondack wilderness doesn't have to be just for the wealthy. Pack lightly. Carry your own gear. Canoeing and fishing and hiking are outdoor pursuits that don't require a lot of money. The wilderness is for everyone to enjoy. His dream of seeing independent canoeists at every turn in the wilderness has come true. Without Nesmick and his determination to go it alone into the Adirondacks, things might be very different today. He showed the public that even a person with obstacles like ill health and low income can be a wilderness explorer if they want. Today, anyone with the energy and spirit can enjoy the Adirondacks. Thank you for joining us for an episode of ADK Extra Credit. This podcast is brought to you by the Adirondack Experience, the museum on Blue Mountain Lake. Our mission is to expand understanding of Adirondack history and the relationship between people and the Adirondack wilderness, fostering informed choices for the future. If you want to listen to more fun Adirondack history, visit our website, theadkx.org. That's T-H-E-A-D-K-X dot O-R-G.